following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I want to share a picture with you and thank you for those who have been praying for our Deno, who is on the other side of the planet right now, doing things that normal kids do, right? Riding on a camel. The camel does not look excited about what's happening right there. Um, so, um, again, this, I, I do want to thank you for praying for Daniel and for the group that he's with. Uh, he and 29 other people are in Israel. Um, there are 30 people on that trip. Yeah, five students. <laughs> and then everybody else is uh, either staff of the school or pastors and their wives have gone um, with them. So, we know almost everybody on that group just over the course of years, so it's a pretty special thing. Uh, really set our mind at ease, uh, knowing that Daniel is on the other side of the planet, and it's a perfect illustration that worrying does nothing good for you. It doesn't do anything to help him either. Um, so uh, just, uh, again, thank you for your prayers for Daniel. Um, I, I, I didn't share before because I wanted to make sure I was... Uh, speaking to the microphone, uh, I lost a dear friend uh, this week. Uh, <clears throat> his name's Sean Nolan. He's one of the kids that I grew up in youth group going to camp with. Um, so a young guy um, and uh, left behind a couple of kids and um, lots of family. So um, just uh, pray for Sean's family. Um, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It's a game for me every week because uh, my memory is so, so terrible. Uh, By the time I finish writing my sermon on Thursday and close the book on it, I don't generally remember what it's about until I open it up again here Sunday morning. So, it's always a game to listen to the songs and try to figure out what the sermon's about for me. So, it's Luke chapter 2. Um, uh, so we're going to look at verses 8 through 20, and that's page 857 in the Pew Bibles. You probably didn't need to hear that story about the game. This doesn't instill a lot of confidence in you, I'm sure. Um, lowers, that's important. Keep the expectations low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, before... Um, Before we look at our text, I want to share a thought that kept um, rolling around in my brains as I was studying this text. Um, And it's just this simple phrase uh, from Scripture, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's a phrase that's found in um, James 4.6. It's also quoted in 1 Peter 5.5. And those are both quotes from the Greek version of the Old Testament, uh, the scholars call the Septuagint. Uh, it's Proverbs 3.34. So if you read Proverbs 3.34 and look for it to say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, it won't say that because your translation is from Hebrew. Um, the translation that James and Peter um, quote was the Greek version of the Hebrew text. So they were using a translation as well. And in the Greek translation, it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. 
His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So what we're going to read uh, now from Luke's gospel is a demonstration of that proof, of that truth, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's a constant theme of Scripture. Uh, It's a constant theme of life and how God works in our lives. So we're going to pick up right where we left off last time. Mary and Joseph had made their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, And since there was no room for them in the inn, they were forced to stay in a manger where Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus. Although she didn't call him them right away. That took like a week. Um, But we're going to have to talk about that next week. Excuse me. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and active and cuts to the very marrow of our souls. We pray, Father, that your spirit would speak to us through your word this morning. That we together as a family would hear your words, not mine. That we would align our lives to the truth of your word. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is a um, there's a temptation when studying biblical historical narrative, which is what we're doing here today, just in case you were wondering. There is a constant temptation to allegorize everything, like uh, to turn every story into an object lesson or make the characters into simply symbolic figures uh, that we can gain wisdom from or learn some moral lesson from. You know, and the moral of the story is, right? Um, and if you can remember what Luke's purpose is in writing this gospel, it was to give his readers certainty about the things that they had been taught through his well-researched and orderly account, right? That was Luke's purpose. It wasn't to teach moral lessons. It was to confirm what people had already been taught about Jesus, He wasn't dealing with object lessons. Luke was dealing with reality. With that in mind, we can look at the reality of what Luke recorded and learn from the examples of those 
uh, that he described in his account. Um, like Joel already mentioned, uh, it, it isn't it isn't Christmas. Um, it isn't Christmas today. It is almost Easter, uh, and and just uh, so while it's in my mind, we are going to have a Good Friday service um, as well as a sunrise ish service. The ish is very important uh, for those of you who don't like to get up at five with me. Um, yeah, Central time, yeah, might be a little easier for us. Um, uh, we'll have breakfast uh, and then a regular service at 9:37 on the dot. So um, Good Friday will be 6:30 here on. That would be the 15th, um, and then Easter is the 17th. So, okay. So it, it, today isn't Christmas and it isn't Easter either, but I'm I'm more glad that it isn't Christmas. Um, and we're looking at this text because Christmas comes. It comes with a lot of pressure, right? I mean, it's pressure to get it all in, right? You got to get all the stuff done before the 25th, right? You got to get those presents wrapped and and all and and, and everything has got to get squeezed in by the 25th. And I'll tell you what, by the 26th, all that junk had better be gone, right? Put the poinsettias and the candles away. Time to move on, right? So Christmas kind of gets squeezed in. And then it's got to be out of here the Sunday after Christmas. No more. That's the rules. But seeing how it's March, we can, we can slow down. We can take our time on this. We can slow down and examine these nativity texts and dig a little bit deeper um, than our typical traditions allow. I suppose we could start early, but honestly, <laughs> who's going to be that? Right? <laughs> Christmas... Well, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's take a look closely at the characters in this account. And again, not to, we're not turning them into symbols or anything like that. Um, but I want to take a look over the next two weeks. Honestly, I thought I could do it all today, but that didn't work out. Um, I want to take a look at the angels and the shepherds um, because there are lessons that we can learn from both of them and examples that we can. Uh, that we can follow from both of them even today. So this week we're going to take a look at the angels and then next week the shepherds and the week after that the wise, oh, not the wise men. <laughs> Got another year or two to worry about the wise men. Luke didn't write about them at all. So let's look at the angels in verse 8. And in that same region around Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this is not the first time an angel had appeared to somebody in relation to the birth of Christ. If you've been with us over the last month, um, we have seen the angel Gabriel show up several times. Um, he appeared to Zechariah, told him that he and his wife would have a son that would prepare the way for the Lord. And that same angel Gabriel appeared to Mary 
and told her that she would conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. And now an angel, who wasn't wearing a name tag, and the word doesn't say, but possibly the same angel, the text doesn't say, it's not really that important, um, he appears to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. The difference is this time that the angel of the Lord appears, uh, uh, that when, when the angel of the Lord appeared, the glory of the Lord shone around them, around the shepherds. And incidentally, um, Daniel was there yesterday uh, in the fields around Bethlehem and saw the geography of the land, which isn't generally reflected well in our Christmas cards of the of the calm, pristine, sandy desert um, and little wooden huts that people put their sheeps and goats and stuff in. They didn't like that. It's rocky, craggy, limestone caves all over the place. It's hilly. It's bumpy. There's no sand. Um, it's, it's different. It's different. And I praise the Lord. Daniel is going to have a different picture of Bethlehem when, when Christmas time comes. Um, so it looked a lot more like where that camel was, just a rocky, bumpy, uh, uncomfortable place to be. Anyway, the angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So here are the, here are the shepherds out in the dark, dark fields at night, living literally in a land of deep darkness. And on them, the light has shone, the light of the glory of the Lord. And they're filled with great fear because who wouldn't be, right? You're out there in the dark and all of a sudden you're not in the dark anymore and there's angels and that's intimidating. I can imagine. But the angel says, fear not. Sure. Piece of cake, just because you said so. The angel says, fear not, for I be, uh, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. Now, in English, there is, um, there's a word that means to bring good news. Do you know what it is? That's a Greek word. All right, we've got to work on this. Evangelize. The word is evangelize. When we say we are an evangelical church, it means that we are a church that proclaims the good news. Right? The gospel is the Greek word for good news. But to bring good news is the word evangelize. And that's actually from a Greek word also. Um, the Greek word that the angel uses, behold, I bring you good news, is the word, well, in English it's evangelize. <laughs> Euangelizo, if that's really what you care about. I bring you good news. Now, it's important for us to understand that because to evangelize is not to convert. To evangelize is not to convince. It's not to sell somebody something. It's to proclaim the good news. Now, in my uh, churchy training throughout my childhood, wandering through legalism and fundamentalism, Evangelism doesn't count unless you make a convert. There is pressure. You tell people the gospel and get them to pray and sign the card. 
That way you know you have done the job. And you think Christmas has pressure. That's, that is not, that, that's not the idea. We don't change people. We don't change hearts. We can't change our own hearts. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What's our responsibility? To proclaim the good news. The angel is the first evangelist proclaiming the good news to the shepherds. Now, in our day, our culture thinks that to evangelize is to bring bad news. That makes people sad. That makes them feel guilty. Right? If you're going to tell me about Jesus, that means that you're going to talk about sin. I don't want to hear that. Who does? I don't. I still don't. It's a reality, but it's a harsh reality, and nobody wants to hear about it. The truth is, bringing the good news is exactly the opposite. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. That shall be for all the people. That's good news for all the people and great joy for all the people. Not guilt and condemnation for all the people. They already had that. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, the good news that the angel proclaimed just by nature did have a hint of bad news. The good news is that the Savior had been born. Well, what's the bad news? We need a Savior. We don't want, no, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. I'm good enough, right? Now, that's just because we're using the wrong measuring stick. That's all. The bad news is, is that people need saving. But the good news is there is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Now, this is the only time, the first time and only time in Scripture that the phrase Christ the Lord is used. Okay? And the first time those words are linked together, Christ the Lord. Maybe because we have read this so many times, we don't think about the significance of exactly what it is that the angel was proclaiming, who says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We put a comma in there. Who is Christ? The Lord. But the angel is linking those two things together inseparably. And we think, okay, right? Never thought of that before and probably won't again. Well, hang on. Luke uses the word Lord twice before this time in our text. The first time he says the angel of the Lord, right? To and then to describe the glory of the Lord. So who's Luke talking about? In both cases, Luke means the same thing. When he says the Lord, he means Yahweh. He means Jehovah. He means God, the creator, the father, right? 
really, really, really God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Here in verse 11, the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Christ is the Lord. Christ is Yahweh. Jesus is God. (laughs) Okay? Jesus is God. The Son and the Father are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, they are one. One God. Not three separate gods. Not three classes of God. One God. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is God. Equal with the Father. Equal with the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Right? Well, the angel continues... He says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I always heard that and thought that the swaddling cloths was part of the sign. Like, normal babies don't get swaddling cloths. Yeah, they do. Um, Being wrapped in swaddling cloths was not at all out of the ordinary. However, lying... Uh, putting a baby in a manger is out of the ordinary. Um, I think that the swaddling cloths told the shepherds just how recent this baby was um, because you don't swaddle two-year-olds. You don't swaddle one-year-olds or six-month-olds. You swaddle brand-new babies, right? Unto you is born this day. No, really, like just now. A baby was born in Bethlehem, who is Christ the Lord. Now, I don't know, again, what your thoughts are when you imagine what Bethlehem is like or what you've read about Bethlehem. And, wow, the Holy Spirit must have directed those shepherds to just the right manger, right? Because, wow, they show up in town and they've got to find this baby somewhere. Where is that Baby, Uh, well, Bethlehem is not a big place, friends. Uh, It makes Ossipee look really big. Um, Bethlehem is more like um, Shakoroa Village. I mean, we're talking Bethlehem, you who are least among the tribes of, of Judah, right? I mean, we're talking about a small place. It would not have taken the shepherds long to find the only manger in the village that just happened to have a baby in it. Um, even if the, the place was crowded, uh, like our, our romantic tales of Christmas of the nativity want us to think. I'm sure it was overcrowded because of the census. However, um, there's a limited number of mangers and an even smaller number of mangers that have babies in them. Um, and if you know anything about babies, 
they probably could have followed the sound of babies to the manger. That uh, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. <laughs> Mm-mm. Right? Our little Lord Jesus, no crying he made, right? Crying is not sinful, right? So Jesus did it. Anyway, in verse 13, let's get back on track here. Verse 13, the angel is joined by an army of angels. And what they say is not without significance either. When it says the heavenly host, uh, again, that's not like the person you greet when you walk in the restaurant. We're talking about an army of angels shows up. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, again, if you look in your text in your Bible in front of you, you'll see that uh, that's separated and written as if it is a song, just like we've talked about Mary's song, Zechariah's prophecy. They're all kind of written that same way because the scholars believe the angels were singing. That's why we sing about angels singing, even though the Bible says, and the angels said. Irrelevant. What's interesting about the song that this heavenly choir sings is that what they are singing about is the result of the gospel. They're singing about what the gospel does. The first angel declared the good news that will bring great joy to the people, which was, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the army of angels said here, what they said is the result of the good news of the coming of Christ the Lord. What does the gospel result in? It results in the glory of God in the highest. And there will be peace among those with whom he is pleased on the earth. That's the result of the gospel. The good news brings glory to God and brings peace to those with whom God is pleased. The old King James translation says, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's a poor translation. It's not what the angels said. It probably rhymes better. I don't know why they chose those words. These words are important. Peace among those with whom he is pleased on the earth. Well, this peace is not the kind of peace that the world necessarily wants. What are our base goals as a culture? Peace and prosperity, right? We want life to go smooth, and we don't want to have to worry about paying for it. What, what else could you want? Is there not more, um, uh, not more American dream than that? Just, I just want life to be easy and not worry about money. Well, that's not, well, let's just say good luck with that. That is not the kind of peace that the angel army was talking about. They meant a different kind of peace. And it's not peace among men. It's peace with God. The most important kind of peace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 declares that peace with God is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord, only through faith in him is our guilt removed from us. 
And it's our guilt that causes enmity between men and God. That's the peace that we truly need. That baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger would later die on the cross. And it's through his death that we gain life. His death reminds us that there is bad news. That because of our sin, we are destined to be separated from God. We are his enemies. We are under God's wrath, apart from faith in Christ. But Romans 5 goes on to say, but God, great words, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if, we were his, if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That is peace with God. That's what will bring great joy to all the people. Justified by his blood, saved from the wrath of God, reconciled to God through the death of his son, and saved by his life. Rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Those who have received the gospel by faith, who have received Christ by faith. And the question that we must all wrestle with, we must all have an answer to, is, is that you? Is that me? Do I have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ? That's the only way it's possible. And if it isn't yet, if you can't say yes, today can be the day that that changes. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. And you will have peace with God and God will receive glory in the highest. Amen? Amen. Next week, we'll talk about the shepherds and their example to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die in our place. Born in such humble conditions that you would show grace to the humble. Not born in a palace among the proud, but in a manger among the lowly. We thank you that your great grace is available to us. We thank you for the gift of your son. I pray, Lord, if anyone who is hearing my voice at this very moment has never asked for your forgiveness and received Christ the Lord as their Savior, that they would just call out to you in faith. Ask for your forgiveness. Receive the gift of your Son. That they too might be saved. And Lord, for those of us that have been walking with you a long time, I thank you for this reminder 
that we all need to remember the gospel every moment. We need to remember the good news because the bad news is whispering in our ears all the time. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. May you be glorified in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.